Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, and with me is the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, hi, Fred. Also with us, Jerry Ho, the Executive Director of CARTS Mobility. Good to see you, Jerry. Hi, Fred. Well, we are at the end of the fifth annual Smart Driving Cars Summit. Really a tremendous, I think, three, three days here, Alan. Did this accomplish what you set out to? Well, yeah, I think may have accomplished even more than what I set out to. I think that, <clears throat> that what we had here were people who I think want to see that, uh, that our approach to the deployment of uh, these uh, autonomous vehicles, in other words, driverless vehicles that provide mobility, is, is really a more than viable and maybe the best way to to transition from a de development test to finally a deployment to start uh, gaining some um, some value out of all of the investment that's been made in the technology. And Jerry, this started out with us going to the city of Trenton, public housing there, to the school, to city hall, and more. Senior Center in, in West Windsor and uh, City Hall in Princeton. I think I got them all. But tell me what, tell me what your thoughts are about the response of the community here. And you work, you've been working so hard at achieving that. Yeah, you know, Trenton Moves started with the community. It started when we knocked on the doors on Donnie Homes in um, last year, and. I think to have it started at Donnelly Homes, going to Trenton Central High School, uh, going to the City Hall, NJDOT, and then expanded beyond Trenton to West Windsor, Princeton, and other stops, we think it, the grand tour of Smart Driving Car Summit this year really set up um, the, 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 the underlying tone of what we aim to achieve with Trenton Moves, Mercer Moves, and New Jersey Moves, you know, to really create the first proof of market of this technology through a scalable deployment. And it has to start somewhere, you know. We know where it's gonna start, and then the goal is really to scale it, to make it a viable business, but also really to create benefits for the community. And May Mobility brought an actual autonomous vehicle here to, to demonstrate and show the kids, show the people in the community, so they got a first-hand look at this. And I think that was really meaningful. It may not seem it at first, uh, what, what, what's it going to do, but I think it meant a lot. Yeah, certainly. You know, we've made, I don't know, hundreds of presentations to people, hey, what this technology is, uh, you know, LIDAR and stuff. Um, but to have the kids, the community members, also transportation professionals see this vehicle in person, what it looks like, and to have them take a tour, you know, on the autonomous ride uh, at Princeton today, I think it... Um, it gives them the hands-on experience and it really helps them to build trust, but to really also help them see the future that is, that is now, actually. So I think to have the actual vehicle here in New Jersey is a tremendous achievement as well. And Alan, one of the things that, that you did here was bring in people from other communities, other states, other countries, <laughs> in fact, to talk about what is going on elsewhere mm -hmm and maybe the lessons that we can learn from it? Right. I mean, the, the summit started with uh, learning from others. Uh, um, 
Some other folks have been in this business much longer than we have in New Jersey. In fact, in New Jersey, we really haven't been there. As a, by my count, as I was saying, um, up to this, up to this summit, there have been only four, you know, if you want to call them autonomous vehicles, four vehicles that could maybe drive themselves a little bit. You know, two of them were mine in 2005 and 2007, DARPA Challenge. Um, NVIDIA, who has an operation here in, in New Jersey, um, has had a vehicle sort of running around uh, New Jersey. And at, uh, at the third summit, we were able to attract uh, the Ollie vehicle uh, from uh, Local Motors, which unfortunately no longer exists. But we were able to run it around inside the football stadium. I mean... Uh, well, guess yeah. what? We were on a public street today. <laughs> we were on a public street, and we were in a vehicle. It did have a safety driver on board, a safety observer, in case the technology didn't work. We didn't really put it through, you know, too many hoops, but it did go up and down Prospect Street. And, and we so, had a couple of mayors on hand and other government officials, yeah, DOT. And, right, and so we had we had we had mayors. We had the mayor of Trenton. We had the mayor of Princeton. We had the former mayor of Lawrence. Uh, we had the mayor of Perth Amboy, and uh, your hometown, which um, which who came down because part of uh, we we began this with learning from others uh, which is what we well we actually ended up beginning with as as Jerry mentioned a, a preview tour which we appropriately took the, the first um, uh, public uh, um, uh, presence of this vehicle at Donley Homes and and they were appropriately first because if we look and and, and we look from a distance as to who might, in fact, benefit most from this technology, it's really the people who live at Donnelly Homes. Because if you look at the, the mobility opportunities that they have compared to the mobility opportunities of any neighborhood here in Princeton, I mean, it's completely different, simply because there's such a low uh, auto ownership among the families that live there. And, reason it's low we all know why it's low because they I guess they'd rather eat than own a car uh, but uh, and and so therefore their mobility opportunities are substantially different than, than than a lot of other people in New Jersey who have access to their own personal cars and so of course they're not to have mobility that is maybe not quite as good as your own personal car uh, but within its operational do uh, domain, uh, places where it does go, whew, it, it might even be better because you know you don't you don't have to park it. It's like waiting for you. It's, probably, if you, certainly, if you look at the economics, it's cheaper. Now, the way we look at the economics of, of a personal car, we forget that we paid for it, or that we have lease payments, or that. Once every six months, we have to pay insurance. It's, it's, it's interesting the way insurance is charged. You know, they don't charge every time you get in, in the vehicle. They, you know, just once, and then you complain about it, and you pay it, and then you forget about it. I mean, it's great for the insurance company. They're able to get, get their money. 
But if it was parceled out each time you wanted to go to the grocery store, you might say, oh my goodness, oh, you know, this is expensive. So it's been sort of a nice character associated with that particular form of mobility that has a, a way to, to basically reach into your pocket for its needs without you actually feeling it uh, or feeling it as much as you might otherwise. You know, so, so if, if you really look at somebody in, in, in Trenton, every time they get on the bus, they have to put money in the... They to, or, I mean, some have a pass. I mean, to get a pass is free. I mean, you know, geez, you have to be really in need. Otherwise, you've got to reach in your pocket each time and put money in. I mean, each time you ride, oh, it's cost me. Oh, it's cost me. Each time I drive my car, I say, it's free. It, uh, see, it seems that the, the, the shift... There's been a shift in the focus here. I mean, if I think back to the first summit, there was a lot on, on AI. There was a lot of, you know, what's going on with the technology? Is it ready? And now we're talking about some very different subjects. Absolutely, because, you know, we talked about those, and most of the technology, I think, is, has been, or at least should be, good. You know, 200, 300 billion invested in it, absolutely. But now the question is, is how's this, how's all this investment going to return some societal benefits, some value propositions to some user? And so now we have to deal with the sociology of this thing. And, and this is really what we're talking about here, the sociology of it. How should it be morphed at this particular point in time so that it really serves serves real needs and there's real value to the to the to the community and in that value we can extract some money back and in fact you know make it into a, a viable business mobility transit you know public transit has such a bad name why because it's we haven't been able to figure out how to deliver it so it's a really affordable without subsidizing it to an amount that if you really look at just, whoa, how can it cost that much? You know, a paratransit ride in New Jersey costs, I think, New Jersey Transit, what it costs them to deliver that ride, like $60. Now, can you imagine being a wheelchair-bound person and saying, hey, you want to go to the Walmart? It's going to cost you 60 bucks. Now, luckily, you know, we have mechanism to say, oh, no, we'll pick up the tab on that one because, oh, my goodness, you need to be able to get to a store, okay? But now this mobility has the opportunity to, I don't know, cost $3, okay? And... <laughs> A lot more people are going to say, hey, I can, I can actually pay you $4, Fred Ford, and let you make a buck profit. Same way as when I go get a, a latte at whatever, you know. Latte costs so much, but they charge me enough so that um, they do just fine, thank you. And they're happy to be there to provide me the service. Well, why shouldn't mobility be the same way? Now, of course, for some, it may be that you know, not everybody drinks lattes, and they just have a you know, old cup of coffee. But you know, we there the the, the, 
the heavy lifting that one needs to do to be able to allow them to have a latte or have them enjoy and improve their lives is just a lot more um, palatable from a public subsidy point of view. It's not as much. And for many, it should even be profitable. And, you know, some companies are asked to internally cross-subsidize a little bit. And everybody sort of does this, really. They're, you know, depending on uh, if I go to Newark Airport and try to buy a bottle of water, what am I charged at Newark Airport for a bottle of water versus what I'm charged at the kiosk on Nassau Street? Okay, very different price. And I'm, I'm sure they pay a little bit higher rent and they might have a little bit higher labor costs. But, phew, I mean, you know, people are market pricing. I mean, that's, that's, that's the American way, and that's fine. Might not be a fair question, but I'm going to ask both of you. Mm-hmm. We're at the end of the summit here. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from here? The summit, you know, has always been the start of everything. You know, we take every summit as a starting point of the, you know, the next phase of hard work that we have to keep working on. Um, This year's summit is about um, scalable commercialization and equitable deployment. Um, The next stop will necessarily have to be that we need to make it happen. You know, the whole purpose of the summit is to bring like-minded people together. You know, they travel around the world um, to really be here in person in Princeton, New Jersey after 2020. We think to achieve that was an achievement itself, Um, but really to find dedicated people who wanted to provide mobility to the society, uh, to gather them together to find out solutions, you know, build partnerships, build trusts. Um, I think I think we, to some extent, we achieved a lot of them, and then you know we're we really look forward to working with many of the folks uh, together after the summit. You know, and I'll, I'll ask you the same question, Alan. But on top of that, you were asked more than once. I know when. When is this going to happen? How soon can it happen? Well, before I do that, I think uh, I agree with Jerry. Now it's time for us to do it. Okay, and the focus has to be on getting, uh, on creating um, an environment in which we do it. And, and not just creating the environment, but creating the environment and doing it. Okay, now the question is, is when, the issue is, is, is that when uh, do we have the various partners that we need to do this ready to commit what they need to commit to do it for the reasons that they want to do it. So I I don't really like the term like-minded because we're all different-minded. We all come at these things from different perspectives. Uh, The like piece of like-minded is that basically we're coming up with saying to, to benefit society here, this is, this is a reasonable way to do it and, and to then come together. So what we need to do is, is actually see if what we've started here, we've convinced a technology company that has, anybody that's in this business has the wherewithal to do 
Trenton moves. The whole question is, is will they want to do Trenton moves or take people from downtown City A to Airport B? Okay, you know, which one do they, who, who do, which customer set are they interested in starting out with to do, as Jerry mentioned, a proof of market to then take that customer set. And as you do with any business, you start with a set of customers that you th believe are going to get value out of the product that you're, you're presenting and that their value that they get out of that product is, is sufficient to allow you to be in business to offer it to them. Whether it's a lemonade store or it's a AI, deep learning, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the same thing, all right? We think that we have, we've, we suggest there is a market for someone who has, who has sufficient technology to come in and start. One of the things I kept repeating at this one that everybody knows the beauty about this technology and why one would want to do it as a startup or as a business or as a thing is because its unit costs go down with scale substantially. And, not just that, the benefits derived from the technology go up substantially with scale. The going down with scale in costs is, you know, uh, sort of, you know, super linear. In other words, it goes down more per unit than the numbers you go down. In other words, it really gets better. It does reach a plateau of, you know, really this is about as cheap as it's going to get. But with scale, it goes up network-like. You know, a square is greater than square because of the area and the opportunities. So here you have a business in which you, I know that we have probably seven companies in this world, in this, not in this world, in this hemisphere. Okay, we just, we don't have to go to the other hemisphere. In this hemisphere, that can do this. Okay? They have to, so far, you know, none of them have even begun to begin a business. This is the beginning of a business. Then in the beginning, yeah, um, it, it, it's just like any investment that's made in any business. The reason you make the investment in the business is that you believe that investment is going to accelerate the, the ad adoption so it's a so-called J-curve. You lose some money, and then all of a sudden comes up, and all of a sudden becomes profitable, and you become a rich guy. I mean, the J-curve is classic. You know, it's the reason why venture capitalists, venture capitalists exist. It's the reason you go borrow money. It's the reason you, you do any of those things. It's because, it's because up front, you know, you can't quite make it, but you're going to invest enough to all of a sudden, you know, that stuff starts returning. Why? Because, in fact, it gets cheaper and it gets better as it grows. This is a, this is this is as good of an this is this is better than search. This is better than free delivery, I think. So one of those companies, one of those seven, maybe more than one, 
may decide that after coming here, maybe we want to take this thing seriously. So if any of you seven want to take it seriously, call me. Uh, if nobody calls me, then I guess, you know, Jerry, uh, you and I, we're going to have to do it ourselves. <laughs> what the hell? And while we've talked about Trenton a great deal, this is much more than Trenton. It's Trenton moves, we've been saying, but it's really a moves movement. Yeah, the moves has always been, you know, the concept. Um, it started as a dream, but now it's closer, close, getting closer and closer to reality. Um, I think we, we really think moves is a model for deployment, um, to, for scalable AV deployment. It could be Trenton moves. Today, we are proposing the concept of Mercer moves. We're involving with different townships of Mercer County. Uh, we have the mayor of Perth Amboy. We have representatives from Newark. We have rep representatives from Chandler, Arizona. Um, and really, we invite We've identified so many places where you know this technology could deliver real societal benefits um, to 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 the world. So we, we we hope that this after this summit we you know uh, we uh, more more communities can actually um, be introduced to this technology and see the value of this and eventually deploy you know mobility for the benefits of the people. And we saw a lot of enthusiasm here, and we're going to be showing you a lot of the people who were here and what they had to say in the days, weeks, maybe even months to come. So thank you for being with us on the Smart Driving Cars podcast.